Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the danger room. My name's Adam. Are you sure it's not Eeyore? Shut up, poo. <laughs> My name's Jeremy. We're here to talk about Magic the Gathering, the exciting card game from TSR. Oh, that's the Dungeons & Dragons company. Wizards of the Coast, that's who they are. Oh, yeah. I have a, 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 um, I have a mox and a swamp, uh, and I'm going to tap those. And you're going to die. What's a mox? I don't remember, but it's <laughs> it's one of the valuable alpha magic cards. I want to say it was like colorless, zero cost colorless mana, I think. But I don't remember. Some geek out there right now is like, no, that's not what a mox is. Have you even heard of a magic? Um, Adam, were you a big Magic the Gathering player? You know, I was poor. And therefore, the answer is no. When everybody was out buying boxes, I was out buying packs and like, Ooh, I wish I had decks as good as everybody else. But I didn't. I I was also, uh, I don't, I wouldn't say that I was poor, but I certainly wasn't given a lot of spending cash. But what little spending cash I got, I spent on magic cards. And and I was able to actually construct uh, a nice deck and then I would play uh, for ante with other people and you know you ante you to select a random card from your deck and you put it in the middle and that was your ante and mm-hmm. then that was how I was able to get uh, all of my better cards because I was I would win a lot of those matches or I would be lucky enough that my ante would be some you know imp or some thing that you just didn't care about cool yeah I used to really like magic I liked it too I just I I would never really won because I never had as good uh, as, as nice a deck as the, everybody else yeah well it happens well, anyways what are we talking about here we are talking about uh, magic not the gathering mm. but the storm and Eliana uh, mini series from 1983 and 84 um, we're, we, we already covered issues one and two as you may recall from last episode but today we are going to cover numbers three and four number three of which had a cover date of february 1984 and was on sale november 1st of 1983 with a cover price of 60 cents and it was titled soul quest soul quest (laughs) (laughs) i stole it from you adam i don't know what you're talking about On the cover of this issue, we have a one-armed Belasco who is lording his power over Ileana, who has a knife drawn at Storm's chest. And he says, my love or Storm's life, Ileana, choose. Do we want to talk about Belasco's arm now, or should we wait, save it till the end? Let's get it out of the way, Adam. It's It's been in our way for a while, and I think we just need to put this thing to, to rest. All right. We got a letter from a Facebook listener who uh, who, who thinks, uh, last episode we weren't sure when Belasco's arm disappeared or whether it's always been gone. And we got a, a, a listener, Michael Foster Meyer, said, Belasco's arm, I seem to remember... 
Caesar Air Zebu. Mm. And I did some research. And uh, what I found was that it was never explained why Belasco lost his arm. Oh. But he lost it prior to meeting Kesar and Zebu. And um, apparently the Marvel history of Belasco, probably through retcons, goes back to the age of Dante, of Dante's Inferno fame. Oh, I've heard of him. And he's been, um, Belasco has been trying to uh, populate the world with demons Ever, ever since the 13th century. Um, he was frozen on ice for a while and then thawed out. And that's when he met Shana, the she-devil, and Kesar, who uh, is... And that's how he got banished to limbo, was by Kesar. Kesar can banish people to limbo? Probably, it's probably not one of his the tricks in his bag. It's not he's like, I'm banishing you to limbo. <laughs> but, uh, you know, it's he probably just happened to come across something. Uh, I slice at your arm and it happens to open a dimensional portal. I don't really know what's going on because I'm Kesar. <laughs> um, an interesting side note. Have you ever read uh, Earth X yes. or Universe X? I have read... Earth X and I've read Universe X and I've read half because it's in two different volumes of Paradise X. Do you recall Universe X plot points about Belasco? Yeah, uh, spoilers, I guess. As I recall, wasn't it eluded or even just said that Nightcrawler was Belasco? Yes. Yeah. And I I have not read Universe X. I've read Earth X. But yeah, I've, I I found that out, and I was like, oh, that's interesting. And I don't I don't think that's really a spoiler because it's not really relevant to the actual Marvel universe, unless you b- believe that Earth X and Universe X are canon. But <laughs> I, I can't really I don't think they are. I mean that you we, we could have this argument. No, but. I'm not. I'm not going to have this argument because, <laughs> I mean, the problem with that is you you then have to try to fit in with uh, the end uh, chronologies. Mm-hmm. And apparent, I mean. Earth X and Paradise X and Universe X are, I don't think they're the end of the world, but it's kind of like, I don't know, what happens in the end? I, but I don't know. It, it's weird. Have you, you have you read any or much of the Earth X, Universe X stuff? I just read Earth X, which I thought was great. I need to reread it um, because I bought that when I was getting back into comic books. And if you recall, the artwork in it was very non-conventional. Yes. And, you know, getting back into comics and seeing this Earth X thing, I was like, well, this is interesting. And it had X in it. So I automatically assumed it was like an X-Men story. Uh, And it's not really. I think there's like maybe one chapter that that has a Wolverine bit and the rest of it's all pretty much Avengers and Spider-Man and maybe some fan and fantastic four for sure. Um, uh, but the artwork I recall it, that it is a very heavy read. It's very dense word wise. And again, the artwork is very, uh, I, I don't, I don't remember if it's painted or maybe watercolors, but it's, it's definitely like more than just pencils and inks. Earth X, but it doesn't, don't they abandon that for Universe and Paradise? Universe X and Paradise X go back to kind of conventional uh, art styles, but they're equally as dense and equally as convoluted. Like I, I guide Doug Universe X uh, more so, and again, I want to go back to Earth X just because I want, I might appreciate it more that I've uh, kind of um, gotten over myself and traditional comic books and can accept different styles of artwork now. Um, but uh, uh, Universe X uh, was a little bit more compelling because there's a lot more X-Men stuff going on in Universe X. Uh, and then Paradise X was, I, I don't even know. I can't even tell you what 
Paradise X was about. There's a lot of Captain America. Okay. <laughs> uh, and I never finished it because I, I think it became difficult to track down the second volume of Paradise X. But anyways, yeah. As I recall, it, it's, it's probably as, as dense as as Watchmen, which is, is a pretty dense uh heavy heavy reading experience i don't think i would yeah i mean i guess maybe uh content wise but not not story wise fair fair enough anyways yeah um so yeah the gist is that belasco has been doing this thing where he's been trying to get the elder gods into the real world where he will then rule as a demon for uh quite some time uh, previously through trying to impregnate women uh, such as Shauna. Oh, sure. With with demon spawn. doesn't appear that he's taking that tact with Ilyana, but he's still um, magically seducing someone. Well, uh, I mean, Ilyana is only to the age of 14, and maybe she hasn't hit the right age for that to be even an option, right? And so maybe Belasco's long-term plan was... Like, let's get this girl to 17, 18, and then start hell spawning. Uh, maybe. I don't <laughs> know. Velasco doesn't seem like the type of guy who's going to uh, wait. I'm just saying, maybe Ileana's <laughs> body's not ready. Like, the physiology isn't there, and Belasco being like an uh, uh, eternal demon is like, yep, I need to wait another year, which it's limbo, so that'll be like an hour from now. <laughs> And rats, she escapes. Oops, spoilers. Well, let's cover this comic book, unless you got more about Belasco. No, that's that's pretty much it. Okay. Well, uh, remember where we last left off? Um, she had received some training from Cat. Uh, She'd re- received some training from Storm. So she's got a little bit of sword skills. She's got a little bit of spell skills. But they were trying to give her more of a responsible edge. Uh, and now she is in the clutches of Belasco. I wouldn't even say Belasco. Pol- clutches she's belasco's apprentice cat has been turned into a physical cat as well as uh uh the 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 transformation that had begun which made her kind of a cat human hybrid has now completed and made her uh a very large cat yeah sort sort of yeah i'd say she's just more of a cat hybrid she's still got human features but uh, this story is by Chris Claremont. Ron Friends is the penciler. Tom Palmer's the finisher. Tom Orzakowski's lettering. Glennis Ween's the colors. Luis Jones, the editor. And Heem Shooter's the editor-in-chief. Interesting uh, scheduling conflicts, maybe. I don't know, but this is uh, a little bit different of a creative staff than the first two issues. I think it returns in the fourth issue to the original. It does. Staff. So, uh, yeah, maybe, maybe just... Uh, Somebody got tired. <laughs> yeah, but really? Like, it's a four-part miniseries. You're going to phone it in for the third issue? I'm not going to do this one. Yeah, you would think that they would get it done before they even started publishing it. I think this is back in the day of, like, uh, like, like hard-nosed deadlines. Like, in today's age where, you know, I think those deadlines... Like, how long did it take to get Astonishing X-Men out? I mean, there's like 24 issues that comprise like that first chunk of the season or series, but didn't that take like four years to come out? Probably. I don't <laughs> know. That that was like the era, uh, the era of allowing artists to take as much time as they needed to. Yeah. So I'm guessing here there's like Jim Shooter sitting there like, nope, nope, we've got to hit the 28th. Nope. I don't know. Get Ron in here. Somebody. Somebody's got to draw this. Well, th- you also hear a lot of stories in the 80s and the 70s of people doing entire issues and then editors coming in and saying, 
I don't like this direction. Let's get somebody else to do it. And then Ron Friends comes in, redoes the issue in like a matter of days. And then there's an issue on the shelf of number three by the original Mm. lineup or something. Who knows? Yeah. Uh, yeah, so on the inside of this, she's she's Belasco's apprentice, and she's got, like, this little mouse thing, and she's casting spells on it. She's got an evil grimace on her face. I shall call this little creature Squidge. After the strange and delightful noises it makes when talking. So Squidge turns into, like, a imp-type creature now, and it is mad. The squidge was a gentle beast, but no longer. It knows I'm the cause of its transformation and leaps for my eyes. Belasco. It's going to shred her eyes out, and she calls for Belasco. Belasco's not going to help, though, because he's an evil demon. Right, and he's he's treating this as a lesson. Mm-hmm. The, the squidge uh, strikes her and, and puts a, some claw marks into her face, and she manages to swat it away, and it attempts to run, and now she feels really bad that... This is all her fault, and the poor creature is terrified, and she's worried about it, and then it, and then Cat comes in. Yeah, she, she jumps onto the little squidge guy. Um, I, I don't know if it says here, but I'm pretty sure she kills it and eats it. The squidge makes Cat a tasty snack. Yep, but that's only, that only whets her appetite, so she's hungry for more. Blasco, I don't like the way she's looking at me. Velasco says, if you have no fear, apprentice, then you have nothing to fear. After all, you two were close friends. Surely she would not harm you. So I guess there's probably another lesson going on in here. That face wound is the fault of your own overconfidence and carelessness. By rights, I should make you wear the scars forever as a reminder. But for now, cast a healing enchantment, lest the sight of blood incite cat beyond all restraint. Ilyan apologizes. She says she'll do better next time. Um, and Kat just kind of scowls and bares her teeth at Ilyana. I guess the implication here is that the fresh blood of Ilyana's uh, scar is inciting Kat into a uh, primal rage. Bloodlust. So Ilyana scampers upstairs to her room. Uh, Kat chases her and... Uh, Cat can still phase. She's able to phase through the closed door. Ileana jumps into her bed to hide away from Cat. She's screaming for Belasco to save her. Uh, and that's when Cat jumps onto the edge of the bed and tries to speak. I see in her the eyes of a sh- of a, a sh- I see in her eyes a shadow of the woman she was, and it's more than I can bear. Get out of here, curse you. Leave me alone. She throws her pillow. It bursts into a bunch of feathers and whatnot when Cat strikes it with her claws. Um, so Ileana casts a repel spell against Cat, who goes flying against the uh, stone castle floor. And uh, that's when, I guess, she stood up for herself and she has proved her point to Cat and says to herself, I know she'll never be back. Cat does, in fact, scamper away, phasing through the door, and leaves Ileana all by herself again. It's it's sad. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, the the comic pretty much phases, uh, fades to black there. Uh, this is when she starts casting a spell in the style of Storm. She explains spell casting as um, you, create a, you create a circle or a sigil or whatever. It's a circle of protection she's casting, just like in Magic the Gathering. 
Yes. She she tapped two planes and now she's got a white circle of protection. Um, th- and she does say that Belasco's are made of red black fire and he stands with the cardinal point behind him. Aurora's are silver and she faces the point. Uh, his are to destroy, hers are to heal. My circle is silver. So I guess this is giving all of us hope that uh, Aurora's teachings have uh, have had an impact on Ilyana. But after that, she tries to summon the acorn. Well, right, which is something that she, uh, Storm said, or, or I guess in a panel that we never saw, Storm explained that the first magic uh, that she learned was creating an acorn, which was what created her super awesome tree back from the previous issue. Okay, so this is the first time Ilyana uh, is trying to summon an acorn because she would also like to create life. Uh, and she does end up summoning it. She's thinking to her, she's pretty excited and happy that she created this acorn out of uh, thin air. She wonders where she's going to plant it, uh, but it explodes in like a black ooze. And the shock causes her to fall from, oh, she was floating in the air. I guess we could have mentioned that. Yeah. She she falls and lands on her back and is unconscious. And when she wakes up, Storm is in the room. She thinks she's dead, but she's like, Ugh, I can't be dead. It hurts too much. And uh, Aurora announces her presence uh, that she came pretty quick. So apparently that acorn took a lot out of her. Um, and she says, my acorn was rotten and corrupt inside like me. And me, my little one. But the evil can be fought. The power corrupts only if you allow it. And this is where Ileana realized that she's talking to Storm. Um who's in the corner of the room. She wonders how she got there, uh, and but but we end up realizing that this is an astral plane uh, projection, or astral projection of Storm. Yes, she's wearing a pirate outfit. <laughs> Yar, she says. Oh, we should point out at the end of the last issue, Storm swore that she was going to likely have to kill uh, both Kat and Ilyana. Once she figured out that Belasco had Ileana back in her. Somehow, somehow she realized that Belasco had recaptured uh, Ileana, and that's when she determined that I will do what I have to do to save my friends, even if that means killing them. Which, at this point, is my primary option. Ileana wonders if there's anything that they can do uh, for Cat. It's horrible. Can we help her? Storm uh, just says she will do what must be done. Trust me. So not really giving an answer. Yeah, which which if you are uh, following the the logic from the last issue, she's kind of implying that she means to kill them. Yeah. Uh, Ileana's got a plan. She's now Belasco's apprentice. Apprentice. So she's got his trust. So maybe uh, she could get herself into Belasco's library, find a spell book, and destroy him. Um, Storm forbids it because it's bad. Ileana's like, you don't understand. Like, this is a good plan. If I don't act soon, it's going to be too late. You know, I don't really like what's going on, but... He he's he's pretty irresistible, and every day his influence grows. So we we should do this, and we should do it now. And she said that she likes using her power. She's done awful, hateful things, and she knows she will do more and worse things in the future. So let's you and me, Storm. Let's take care of this guy. Ileana says that she has nothing to lose. Well, Storm is basically saying like uh, she she's doing Yoda right here. Are you so eager to share Cat's fate? Uh, you are not completed with your Jedi training. If you leave now, forever you will be lost. 
I think is essentially what Storm's saying. If you rush to go kill Belasco, uh, it won't work, and you will you will be turned into a lizard or something. You will become what you don't want to be. Right. She says, Storm says that uh, Ilyana has far more to lose than she realizes, which doesn't. I don't. I'm not really sure what that means. And Ilyana wants to know. Then help me. And Storm says, I, in my own time and my own way, I shall. Till then. Be patient, and she disappears. Ilana, Ileana gets into bed, and she's like, thanks for nothing. And she thinks to herself, maybe that wasn't even Aurora. That could have been some sort of another another test sent to me from Belasco, and now I just revealed everything to him. Yeah. Darn it. Darn it, darn it, darn it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and so then she starts thinking, I need a way to instantly move from place to place like Nightcrawler when he teleported. Those spells exist, but Belasco keeps them secret. And just as she says that, one of the light circles appears, otherwise known as stepping discs. Cat called them stepping discs from a novel she read. It's probably some sci-fi Asimov something or other. Probably. (laughs) Uh, She'd never seen one in the Citadel because Belasco keeps them far away. Uh, But then she she realizes that it being on the ceiling isn't really going to do her any good. She wishes that it would come closer, and it does. And she realizes that she is controlling it, sort of. And she thinks that, well, it's not magic, so maybe, just maybe, it's my mutant power Mm -hmm. finally coming out. She loses sight of the circle. She panics because she doesn't know where it is. uh, But then she realizes... Uh, that it appears underneath the bed. And an instant later, she uh, is gone too. And now she's in, she's outside of the citadel. She's in uh, the tunnels that honeycomb most of Limbo. So she's just in some random part of Limbo. And she's like, what, is this my mutant power to control the stepping discs? That's wonderful. I I don't know what I'm going to do with this, but that's cool. Suddenly her bed, which teleported with her, um, is hit by a car. (laughs) <laughs> this will be changed a little bit, uh, but it's it it's the new mutants. Cannonball, Sunspot, uh, Danny, Moonstar, and it looks like Rain is driving, but they refer to Stevie, but so we just don't see Stevie. It's a UK car, so we're seeing the left side, but the steering wheel's on the right side, and that's where Stevie is. There's definitely a miscommunication between the artist of this book uh, and as these... Uh, events tied directly into new mutants 14 that artist but yeah i don't understand why this happens because like clearly one of these had to come first right well they could have come out at the same time or maybe it was because chris claremont's fault who knows well you know marvel method and everything i mean chris claremont might just say like hey have the new mutants enter limbo with iliana it'll be cool so this guy's like all right the car drives in and then the other artist is like, nope, the car just appears. And then you've got this inconsistency. Yeah. Oh, well. Yeah. Well, Anyways. regardless, it's, it's, still, it's still pretty neat. Uh, this is referring to an, uh, an issue that hasn't come out yet. Uh, they, they say that this is, this is what happens in New Mutants number 14 on sale right after Magic number 4, which also hasn't come out yet. So they're, they're plotting in advance, and it's, it's kind of neat. So the New Mutants show up, and they're very confused, as you said, uh, Sam, that's Ilyana, but it can't be, Bobby. She's too young. So they're obviously referring to the Ilyana from the time period that we're familiar with. And then they disappear. 
And Ileana thinks to herself, who were they? I've never seen those people before, yet they knew me. But she doesn't have time to think about that. She She's able to conjure up another stepping disc, uh, and she pops into it, crosses her fingers and pops into it. And she is able, she got to the library. She is able to use the stepping discs to teleport her to the library. So, success. Storm appears, or well, just her head appears, and she says, Stop, Ilyana! A gust of wind shoves her backwards and knocks her unconscious? Or did she just fall over? Oh, no, she, she, she loses her senses. Well, she gets sent backwards onto a light circle she hadn't summoned and didn't realize was there. So she was blown into another part of limbo. So she's not in the library anymore. Oh, okay. Well, she, when she gets up, she recovers her senses and uh, is look, overlooking Belasco's throne chamber where she sees a younger version of Storm with the Mohawk fighting Belasco. And she's wearing this hot little strappy uniform with like a fish covering her crotch. It's very weird. It's yeah, it's it's bizarre. I like but it though. <laughs> it's it's in line with, you know, something that Storm it's like a combination of something that Leatherstorm or prior to Leatherstorm might wear. She's got a she's got a big blue cape too, which is pretty sweet. She's she's totally magic. She a storm is in her prime as mutant, elemental, and sorceress. Against her, Belasco seems obviously outmatched. Yep, Belasco's getting his he's getting his ass kicked basically. He and he is not in each of these panels. He's not having a good day. Uh, storm uses lightning to cause Belasco to beg for his life, and then she strikes him with lightning. Immediately upon doing so. The I guess the power of Belasco transfers into Storm, which gives her um, the same appearance as Belasco, kind of a, a demonic uh, look. She get gets uh, the, the the horns, the demon horns, and she also gets some nasty vampiric teeth and whatnot. And uh, Belasco gets up and he's like. Do you think me so easily slain? I'm the master of limbo. Whatever exists here does because of my will. So it turns out that what we are seeing here is the past. Mm-hmm. So this is younger, this is younger, older Storm. <laughs> yeah. And so Belasco's like, he he's able, so in this first panel where he's like, I control everything in limbo, he's still sizzling, his clothes are all burnt and everything. Uh, but in the ne- very next panel, he's... He's back, his hair is nice and done, his his outfit is nice and and, uh, ironed and put together, and Storm is kneeling and, well, squatting in front of him, and uh, he's like, come by my side and join me. So this is where, uh, presumably, uh, Belasco took Storm under his wing and started training her. Right. Which, as as we learned, she is able to eventually break out of. Yeah, she gave in to herself and became his apprentice, and eventually uh, escaped his power uh, to do to do life things. And so, the moral of that flashback is that if Ileana goes in there half cocked and tries to kill Belasco, she might succeed, sort of, but ultimately she will turn herself into a demon and ultimately his uh, slave or whatever you want to call it. Ileana is transported again by another light circle that uh, brings her back into the present, or so she presumes. She is on the battlements of Belasco's Citadel, and as soon as she figures out where she are, she is grabbed by the back of the head, uh, by her hair, I suppose, 
by uh, Sim or Sim. Boss is in the best of moods. Wants you bad, but you aren't there. He doesn't like that. Oi, put another shrimp on the Bobby. <laughs> Oi. Oh, Sim, Sim, you're hurting me. She knocks him off the citadel and um, puts a, a light circle beneath him. So he transports. Uh, she knows now where. I was punished once by Sim. And I don't think we saw that, did we? Because she'll allude to this again. So apparently Sim's beaten her before for her getting out of line. I swore never again. I'd die first. So I dazzle him with a flare spell and he falls into a transport circle. So I, we're, she's she's doing a lot of magic here. She's she's learned a lot from Belasco and she's using every every arrow in her quiver. That's when she noticed that there is a lightning storm brewing and that the castle wall has been breached. All the signs of storm. She runs back into the castle down some steps where she sees uh, once again uh, storm is battling Belasco. Cat's also there, yep. as is in the lower left-hand corner, Jabba the Hutt. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's like Jabba the Hutt's son. <laughs> and in fact, doesn't he have a son in the Clone Wars TV show? I don't know. Um, probably. There's a bunch, there's a, there are other Huts, but I don't, I don't know. I want to say that his son's name is Stinky or something stupid. <laughs> <laughs> I could be wrong about that. But anyways, yeah, so... so uh, it's, Storm and Belasco are fighting. Cat gets into position. It looks like she's going to... Uh, well, she does. She scratches Storm in the back. Um, and that's when Ileana runs with a torch and swings at Cat and says, Leave her alone! Storm is down. Yeah. So whatever whatever Cat did to her is uh, knocked her out. Yeah, I mean, she probably took some some damage from Belasco as well. But Belasco says, Cat was executing my will, daughter. I do not take hand kindly to defiance. Perhaps a few scars will teach you a proper respect. Which is forcing her to fight one-on-one with Cat. Uh, um, Cat gets a... Cat scratches her, even though she tries to say, Try to remember who you are! Cat scratch fever. <laughs> Cat scratch fever. Yeah, so there's a page of fighting, and it's mostly, I don't know, it's back and forth. Uh, actually, it's not. It's pretty much in Ilyana's favor. So every all the training I think that Cat taught her, she's able to use on Cat. And eventually, she is able to get around behind Cat uh, and snap Cat's neck. Yep, which, but, as we know, she does think about, like, in, in the current continuity of X-Men, she remembers having to kill her, her friends. So now we're finally seeing it. And she thinks about it. My best friend, as she lays her down, she's numb. She doesn't feel anything. No elation, no grief. Don't I care? Have I become more like Belasco than I dare admit? So she goes over to Storm, just like trying to comfort her a little bit. Do not weep or mourn for either of us. Yours was a mercy killing that freed Cat's soul from bondage. Within the heart, the soul, lies the key to victory. We could not find it. You must be glad for me, Eliana, for I go to join those I love. That's when Belasco shows up and says, actually, I'm not going to let you die. I'm uh, I'm going to keep your soul for my own evil, evil purposes. 
We will strip your soul from your body while you still live and offer it to those I serve, the dark ones, as a sacrifice. Death will not herald your heart or your freedom, harlot, but your eternal damnation. To be concluded. Did you know that Belasco has a tail? Uh, a tail as old as time? <laughs> no, T-A-I-L. Well, you know who else has a tail? Nightcrawler. Hmm, interesting. Maybe there is more to that connection. Yep, so magic number four. It's a cover date of March 1984, on sale November 29th of 1983, cover price of 60 cents. This one's titled Dark Child. And this is a good cover. This is a classic cover. I remember seeing this, I think I saw this as a kid, maybe going through back issues or something, but I just remember seeing this as a solicitation, and it's it's a very striking image of Ilyana with a sword and a horns, and she's floating above uh, a five-star uh, pentagram thingy, and she's got a tail, and it's cool. Tom Palmer's helping with this cover. I don't know if he's doing it all on his own, but I don't see any other names. But this is not the Ileana that we will see in this comic book, but this is definitely the Ileana we will see in future New Mutants issues. Um, so... I don't know. Yeah, it's a, it's a very classic. She got her soul sword out, which we don't know that that's a soul sword yet, but spoilers, it's a soul sword. She's got a tail. She's got horns. Her clothes are all ripped up. She's got a demonic smile. She's got long, flowing blonde hair that's all messy, um, and the background is all limbo-y. This is a great cover. I don't know. It's, it's a really good cover. And it's not Limbo-y, just because... Huh? Yeah, and it's not just because she's, you know, scantily clad. It's just well inked and lit and the colors are vibrant i wouldn't even even say that she is scantily clad not in the sense of marvel heroes from the 90s being scantily clad her her outfit is tarnished okay i'll give you that there's a lot of midriff though there is but i feel like it's not exploitative yeah sure I, i i'll give you that uh so yeah uh this one is called Dark Child, and uh, it's the same creative staff that brought you issues one and two. Although the colorist is Ken Fedunowitz, and I think that might be a new name to our creative staff. Fedunowitz? Fedunowitz. <laughs> I'm just kind of randomly guessing there. Sure. It's just a colorist. Nobody cares about them. <laughs> And we get kind of a recap of the last issue. Uh, M is in the background. Blasco's there. There's some like squiddy creatures kind of creeping around. It's very limbo-y. Um, Ileana's comforting the dying or dead storm. Uh, so here's his, here is Belasco's plan. First, Ileana, we will conjure the third bloodstone for your medallion and use its power to strip Aurora's soul from her while she yet lives to offer it in sacrifice to the dread masters, the dark ones. You like that, don't you? Spare her. I'll do anything. Uh, Both of you have been tainted by my corruption, your innocence, your humanity forever lost. Look at her. Look at her. We mustn't disappoint. This is a weird drawing of Storm. She looks like vacant, but she also looks happy. Well, she is, uh, she's, I guess the implication is that she's in some sort of weird ecstasy as she's dying. To my surprise, Aurora smiles. And in that smile, the understanding in her eyes, I find the strength I need. Mm. 
And that's when rather than help Velasco and strip her soul, she grabs a knife and stabs her, thereby preventing Velasco from doing any of that stuff. So the smile was more like, I, I, I'm weak, I'm dying, I don't have any strength, you know what to do. Yeah. And so she does. Uh, Belasco does scream out, no, and then the top of Belasco's citadel explodes with lightning. And Which uh, uh, she says her ability uh, to control the weather still existed, but as her body became older, she became less and less able to withstand the physical stress from the weather, which I thought was a pretty cool idea. Her After her death, though, she can now kind of cut loose, uh, or the the weather, which she had been kind of holding back for her own sake, gets cut loose, and a lightning strike destroys the top of Belasco's citadel. Neat stuff. Yeah. A uh, lightning bolt comes through the citadel uh, to destroy Belasco and all of his works. Uh, it basically succeeds in knocking some boulders down, smushing a poor little demon in the background. Uh, that demon was a jerk. <laughs> Owed me money. <laughs> uh, Belasco himself remains untouched. He isn't pleased with Ilyana at all. Curse you, girl! I've endured your defiance and rebellion for the last time, and so now he's gonna uh, he's gonna give her the ultimate punishment. But Ilyana is able to use her newly discovered mutant power to summon a light circle, and Storm and Ilyana have teleported away. She uh, she teleports to Storm's garden, where she, over a period of time, buries Storm under some some rocks. Uh, she's thinking to herself about how crummy her fate has been. Uh, then suddenly, the garden starts whipping a bitter cold. All of the trees are rotting before her eyes, and that's when she realizes that without storm to keep the whole place together um it's it's falling apart and that's when we get zombie storm who plunges her hand out of the burial uh cairn that she had made uh and chases after Ilyana. since you took my life and undefined me my moment of transfiguration and glory among the dark ones it's only fitting i return the compliment I mean, I assume she's hallucinating here. Yeah, I was. Yeah, it's, it has something to do with the uh, degrading garden. Yeah. So she's able to summon another disc. She teleports away to, to an area she's not familiar with. And that's when Peter Rasputin, in his Colossus form, crashes through the wall. And uh, attacks Ilyana, claiming that it's her fault that all the X-Men died and the scales must be balanced. So Ilyana, who's definitely taken aback, summons another teleport disc and finds herself in Soviet Russia. Home. I'm home. Mama, Papa, it's Ilyana. She runs the door. She, Mama opens up the door and she's like, who are you? And Ilyana gives her a big hug and the woman's like, get off me. Why would you play a joke on me like this? You're way too old to be my daughter. Papa comes to the door and is like, get out. Ileana's a baby. You're a young woman, almost fully grown. Stop talking nonsense and go home to your real parents. No decent child would traipse about in such a costume. What are you really, some runaway wolf girl from the circus? Ah, what's with all the wolf girls from the circus that have been running around lately? It's an epidemic, I tell you, Marge. An (laughs) epidemic. Leave us be. You're not welcome here. Ilyana says, listen to me, please. And, but then she kind of realizes, she's like, 
uh, yeah, I'm six years older. Like this, this. Although I have to be honest, like while I would be taken aback, but if my nine-year-old daughter banged on the door one day and she was fifteen, I'd be like, "You really look familiar." <laughs> I mean, you don't change that much in. Uh, six years. I mean, obviously, you'd grow and... Yeah, but what if you, in your mind, you knew where your daughter was? Like, like she was, maybe, let's say she was going to school in Russia. Okay. And uh, so, so... Yeah, I get it, right? If she's like, if this girl who looks very much like my daughter, but who is six years older, comes knocking at my door and I fully expect her to be somewhere else... Yeah, I get I mean, your point. I get your point. You, you you assume that it's not your daughter. Whether or not she looks familiar is one thing. Yeah, but that's all I'd be talking about. And the next call I would make is to her school in Russia to be like, uh, is my daughter there? And if the headmaster was like, uh, sort of. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, I we don't know where the, when this happens in time either. So it, it could be that this is before oh, Eliana I, has shown up. Oh, I would. I this. I would imagine that this is happening one second after Kitty lost hold of her from right. issue one sixty. So she, by rights, should be exactly six years old. Right. Um, and you're right. At this point, there would be no headmaster to call because I think he's in space. But which, <laughs> which is another problem. If I call the school and the headmaster's not there because he's in space, and a girl yeah. who looked like she was fifteen but supposed to be nine came to my door. I mean, these things are all adding up to a bad situation. But anyways, it's true. <laughs> uh, so she's kneeling on her, her knees and she's like, yep, I don't blame him for not believing me. What am I going to do? And uh, that's when the zombie X-Men show up. And she faints. And that's when she gets slapped by Belasco's hand. Tiss, tiss. I thought you were made of sterner stuff. That's the spirit. Oh, yeah, open those lovely eyes. I want you to be awake from this. There's no amusement in punishing someone who can't feel it. Hello, Belasco, Ileana says. She's being held by mute, uh, zombie Colossus as zombie Wolverine and zombie Storm are behind uh, zombie Colossus. Zombie Kitty Pride and zombie uh, Nightcrawler are also there. She uh, Belasco has asked Storm to pull her arms aside so that she can be in some pain while he fires off some magical pain spell at her. He's loving all of this. Ileana's definitely in pain. It looks looking like she's about to give up. She She's having a weird conflict of like, she doesn't like this happening, but she also kind of wants this to happen. He's offering her some sort of demand, demonic power. Uh, he says this moment could have been pleasurable for you, but you chose to uh, kill Storm, and therefore now it's punishment. But essentially, he's drawing out the part of her soul that will create the next bloodstone, which she does, or he does. So I guess all of that pain is what goes into the third bloodstone. The stones are forged of my essence, and when all five are in the proper places, I'll become the Eldridge Gate through which Belasco's gods will enter our dimension to seize it for their own. You must be taught a lesson, Ileana. You must learn, as your precious X-Men did, their sorrow, who is master of limbo. That's Belasco, by the way. Oh, yeah. So, he's going to leave. Yeah, they all disappear, all the zombies and Belasco, and, and she gets teleported into a frozen tundra. Um, I guess we learn later that she doesn't feel 
cold, but I guess still here she does. So she's back in the garden. Um, so maybe that whole thing was a dream. Yeah. Although I, I guess it, it wasn't, it wasn't because there is a third stone, bloodstone. The, 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 yeah, most of it was a hallucination, uh, but the weather going wild, that that's happening for real. So the tree is there, um, but it's, there's a big snowstorm. Yeah, yeah, let's see. The Aurora's magic so strongly flowing through the oak that Belasco couldn't sweep it away like she he did everything else. This tree must die naturally, worn down by the elements that once nurtured it. So she is able to uh, crawl inside of the tree. There's like an opening to its inside to get away from the blowing snow and wind and whatnot. She's able to cast her sigil again. Well, she doesn't climb inside the tree. It just kind of looks like that. But she 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 climbs into a groove of the tree that allows her to be, uh, avoid the wind. Sure. She's able to cast her sigil and, uh, she's, uh, wanting to summon, uh, another acorn, which right. she does. And it hangs out for a little while, but then it blows up into more black and death and despair. It's no different than the last. And she kind of falls. I think she must have been um, uh, hovering again. So she falls into the snow. Yeah. Every time she casts a pentagram, she hovers. <laughs> uh, and I think now it looks to me like she's being drawn a little bit older. So I think she's aged another year or so. Yeah. It says uh, days pass without change, without end. I have no idea how many. I grow a head taller and become as hard as my wilderness. So she's living in this frozen tundra. She's aged about a year. She's getting pretty impervious to the cold now. Uh, she's clinging to the tree for, I don't know, life, sustenance, whatever. Yeah, somehow she's able to survive from using the tree mm -hmm. as some sort of life source. But she's also killing it, and she knows that. And I guess maybe she's been continuing to try to conjure acorns and uh, failing. I read this as like, okay, it's been a year and now she's going to try it again. She's been practicing. She's been getting into one with nature. So she's going to do this pentagram. She's going to cast this acorn and everything's going to be good. Uh, but it's not. That's how I took it out. I don't think she's been doing it over and over for the last year. I think she's like, I'm finally ready. I'm going to do it again. Okay. That works. Uh, and she's like, no use. No matter what I try, it's just not going to work. I, I can't create life. I'm too evil or tainted by Belasco's evil. She leans against the tree slightly, and it falls over. And immediately crumbles into dust. So the, the attempt of casting life into this acorn has drawn the life out of the oak, causing it to become brittle like this. And now Ilyana's there, and she, she's got nothing. This tree was basically everything she had, and now it's dust. For a while, she seeks refuge in blind rage, and then, though she does not know it, madness. Wait, think a moment. Aurora's master spell was one of creation. Her way of becoming once more the woman she was, of reaffirming belief, she held dearer than life. But I'm not her. And that's when she realizes more of who she is. She said, I, I want vengeance. A royal created life for its own sake. I sought it as a means to an end. Uh, so maybe I need to attempt to create something that is more of a representation of me and my situation. And so she casts her sigil once again. She plunges her hand into an energy sphere that she's conjured. And out of it, she pulls a sword. And she's like, I, it was so easy. I 
I probably could have done this ages ago. I, I, why didn't I comprehend this truth sooner? The oak need not have suffered and need not died, and I didn't need to endure all of this exile and wintry hell. But of course, you know, we as the reader know that she needed to go through these trials and tribulations to learn uh, that this little simple thing is what she needed to do. So she is in the, in the same way that Aurora was using uh, life to learn about magic. The main source of Ileana's magic is revenge, which is why she's able to cast a sword. So now she has the sword and she has all this power and she feels invincible. So she teleports herself using a sphere uh, somewhere back. Well, we cut to Belasco's Citadel where she's about to appear. We get uh, a scene where Belasco has a bunch of statues of Kesar and uh, Shana, 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 the she-devil. And two other dudes who, uh, I guess, the Atlantean android Dirk oh. and uh, and Queen Leanne of Lemuria. Um, I guess this is a plot that has to do with, uh, it's sort of like, meanwhile, well, Ilyana has been doing all this stuff. Belasco has been hanging out in Kesar uh, issues 29 and 30 and whatnot, doing some sort of plan where he is uh, once again attempting to... Uh, use Kesar and Shana to uh, bring the Elder Gods out. I'm sure it failed. It it fails. <laughs> he calls Kesar the jungle man Kesar and his slut Shana the she-devil. Wow. Which, I, which for me, I was like, wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't seem comic appropriate. So I did some research into this because I was very curious about like maybe in, this, uh, in the 80s, slut didn't mean the same thing that we, we, we thought it did, which... It did. It did. It yeah. definitely did. Um, but it, the the it, that wasn't its primary meaning uh, quite yet. But that that term that we're familiar with came around around the late '60s. But prior to that, which knowing Chris Claremont, he was probably thinking like, what would Belasco use the word "slut" as? And uh, it basically means a untidy woman. Oh, so he's basically saying he, she's dirty. <laughs> So she's not the prostitute of the Savage Land? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, yeah, it basically it basically has meant untidy since the 1400s, according to this online thing that I found. Um, so yeah, that's probably how Belasco is using it, which is interesting. I, I still find it weird that Chris Claremont would choose that, uh, knowing full well that, you know, pr- probably the more common term was what you know, people weren't going to do the research that I did to figure out why he's calling Ashana the she-devil a slut. Maybe he's super sheltered and he's like, doesn't know. Yeah, maybe maybe Chris Claremont didn't know. <laughs> he's from like uh, England or something, isn't he? So maybe, yeah. I don't know. Ileana she teleports in, she screams out Blasco's name and whatever was going on in KSR number 29 with these statues, it doesn't matter because Ileana crashes all of the uh, statues with her sword, shattering them, and she's like, do you remember me? Uh, what? A nuisance. Nothing more to be dealt with than you deserve. So Belasco, as seems, anyway, is like he's just written off Ileana. So they begin a sword fight where uh, Ileana is using her teleportation signals, uh, uh, circles, to bounce around the room uh, and is able to... Uh, Get the upper hand on Belasco. He, of course, calls in Sa'im. Oh, the brats come calling. My, my, doesn't she look tough? 
and she slices him through the gut, and he's out of the picture. It'll org. So that's that's Sims' uh, usage in this comic book. Uh, apparently, she thinks he is dead. Yeah. And so she continues her fight with Belasco. Um, Belasco shows a sign of fear, which she's never seen in him before. And uh, it's when she kind of knows that she has the upper hand. Um, the, 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 the horns that we saw appear in Aurora are now appearing in Ilyana. It also kind of looks like in this panel that um, uh, Belasco is kind of withering away or either that or there's like a heavy hash job going on in his face. To me, the way I read this was like he was starting to wither away. Uh, and yes, as they continue their battle, Ileana is more and more into it and she's absorbing more of this evil. She <clears throat> uh, does grow horns. And then in the next panel, he's not withered. He's actually looking more and more like a man. Uh, and his horns are receding. So Spawn of the pit, she's growing horns and fangs while mine are fading away, and with them much of my arcane power. And now it's not even an equal fight. Ilyana gets a tail. Presumably Belasco loses his tail. And uh, Yeah, she's, she's just hacking and slashing at him. She finally knocks Belasco's sword out of his hands. He's on the ground, and she's getting ready. She's got her tail around his neck. Because I think she has absorbed his tail. I mean, she's taking on Belasco's persona. Uh, and if she doesn't stop, she's probably just going to become Belasco. She's going in for the kill, but that's when she kind of, I think, remembers Aurora's teachings and maybe remembers Kat's teachings and is like, no, I'm not going to do this. She's about to kill Belasco and she realizes that she's holding him by her tail. And she's like, oh, wait, I've got a tail and now I've got horns. Oh, man, I've become Belasco. Ah, crap. (laughs) So she doesn't kill him, which I think is probably the important thing to have happen. Uh, And so she's she's rejecting these feelings, and that's when Belasco is like, You're a fool! You renounce your heritage? So he wants her to kill him. Because I think that would, I mean, if he kills her, I'm sorry, if she kills him, I think he's just reborn and she becomes like his plaything. Right. I mean, effect, effectively, that's what happened with, in the storm scenario. Right. So what she decides to do is is hold on to the power and hopefully she can control it. She she banishes um, Belasco from the land. Don't get cocky, Belasco. You're alive solely because I spared you in fair combat. Your dark child beat you. Yeah. In that you prove your right to my place as the Dark One's standard bearer. Your act of so-called mercy, I say cowardice, proves how much the child you yet remain. The battle is not a war, Ilyana. You will come to curse this day when I deliver your precious planet into my embrace of my dread masters. Yeah. So he he's not banished, he just escapes. Okay. Uh, I thought I'd stripped him of his arcane abilities. Silly me, as he disappears, I once more become myself. I've won, but I don't feel like cheering. He's not banished, but he has very little power at this point. And is he in, I don't know, I guess we'll find out later. I don't even think he's in limbo anymore. Yeah, I, I did the, the the research that I was doing about Belasco. He, he goes off to live with the cat people for a while. Who are the cat people? I don't know, oh. but I'm I'm thinking that maybe Cat was, I bet they look like Cat did. Okay. 
So she hangs around. She looks at the bloodstones. She wonders what to do next. She knows she needs to go, or she knows that she needs to go back home, uh, but she doesn't want to go. But she dares not stay. For me, seven years have passed since I came to Limbo for the X-Men on Earth barely seconds. So she changes into an outfit more suitable to their reunion. And that's when we flash back into X-Men number 160. She looks at X-Men number 160, sees that she's wearing a different outfit, and changes her outfit to match that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's whatever. That's good. Continuity's good. Continuity's good. I mean, they, they match the outfit, but... She'd have to be like, what the hell was I wearing seven years ago? And does it matter? I'm going to come out seven years older. I think they'll forgive me and understand if I'm in a different outfit. Uh, but she pops out, and then we get the whole dialogue. Piotr Niklovich, is that really you? I use my powers to dress for the occasion. I hope they like it. And that's when we return back to uh, the mansion and present time. She thinks to herself that was a year ago. And she doesn't know how or when to tell the X-Men. I have gifts. And like all such, magical or mutant, they can be used for good or ill. The choice is mine, as is the responsibility. Friends I loved cared enough for me to risk and lose their lives in my defense. I mean to be worthy of their sacrifice. It begins to snow, and she sees the new mutants released from class a little early she thinks to herself professor xavier does have a heart he just likes to keep it hidden they're mostly my age but what is my age i was born seven years ago and yet i've lived over twice that and in my soul i feel as old as time oh here's where it said that she doesn't feel the cold anymore so she's endured far worse on the limbo ice field so the cold the cold no longer bothers her Nope. i knew that happened somewhere <laughs> And uh, I suppose in the final analysis, uh, I don't know, nothing I can do about it, much as I wish otherwise, save, try my best with what I have. So that's all I can do. Yeah, she she can't be normal. This is the life she has to lead. It's time to, it's time to work with it. And that's the end. That's the end of uh, Magic Limited the gathering. Series, The Gathering. Uh, and again, uh, you know, I think I praised it pretty highly, uh, in our issue one and two review. Uh, and I don't think parts three and four disappoint by any means. No, it's good stuff. Um, yeah, I think, uh, you know, I, I think it would be difficult to do, but I think if you could, uh, if if you could adapt this, I, I think it would actually make a decent movie. Not if Fox keeps control of it. Oh, well, We'll have to talk about that soon, but, but yeah. <laughs> uh, anyhow, it's a good story. I like it. Yes, sir. But we're not, we're not done yet, Adam, are we? Not really. We're never done, Jeremy. <laughs> not until issue 600. <laughs> oh. So with that whole 600 deal, is that the last issue or is there going to be a 601, 602, 603? You know, I'm sure there will be a 700, oh. <laughs> but but right now there is no 601, 602, 603. It's it's got it got rebooted again. Oh my god, that's like the that'll be like the fourth reboot, or maybe the third reboot. Uh, yeah, no, I think you're right. It's the fourth, fourth reboot. I think it's the fourth because there was an uh, an Uncanny X Men Volume Two, and then the new Uncanny X Men, so Volume Three. So the fourth. I don't yeah, know, so Adam. Every time they uh, get a hundredth issue, they'll probably go back to the original numbering. Uh, meanwhile, you know, they got to milk these 
number ones for all they're worth. Which is absolutely nothing. <laughs> I think it's it's good to uh I think like modern comics like to break things into runs so that you can kind of understand that there's there's a story that happened here and a story that happened here and this is issue one through twenty and this is issue one through fifteen and that seems to be the way things work nowadays. So there's like constant reboots, but they're not really reboots. They're just new story setups. Yeah. I don't know. It doesn't really bother me. <laughs> uh, I, uh, I did not buy 600 and I don't know if I will. It's probably sold out. I did buy it and I read it and it was uh, having not read anything leading up to it. I did. I did quite enjoy it. Okay. I mean, I, I hadn't read any of Bendis's run of Uncanny, but... I, I still didn't really need to. <laughs> Did they fix Cyclops or is he still a bad guy? I don't think he's as bad anymore. Hmm. Or I, I, It was just always the perception that he was a bad guy, but he was always, he always kind of believed he was becoming a terrorist, but I don't think he has that rap anymore, but I'm not really sure. Like I said, I'm not reading it. <laughs> okay. Fair enough. Uh, and for those of you that are not reading current X-Men, uh, Magic is in those series. Yeah, that's right. So if you need your magic fix. she be back, y'all. But we're not done. Like I said, uh, we got to take a look at the New Mutants number 14. Yeah, this, this issue is titled, Do You Believe in Magic? And I hope you do. Doing lots of stuff and lots of stuff. On the cover of this issue... It's the New Mutants fighting Sa'im. And Magic is there in a New Mutants outfit as well. Which is weird because she's not a New Mutant. Nope. And she does not don this costume in this issue. Nope. So, Magic. <clears throat> Chris Claremont, Sal Basima, Tim Tom Mandrake's finisher, Glennis Ween, colorist, Tom Orzakowski's lettering, Louis Jones editing, Heem Shooter's the boss. <laughs> boss. <laughs> That's incorrect. Only Bruce Springsteen can be referred to as the boss. Uh, we, we, we're we looking at a full page spread of Ilyana's locket, and it's got the three bloodstones, and she's thinking when they all fill in, it's the end of the universe, or the end of me, or vice versa. Something bad's going to happen when all five of them fill out. Basically, the this opening scene of New Mittens number four is the... In- entire series of magic yes within these like six or seven panels is the entire remembrance of issues one through four because she's on the cliff that we saw she's holding the locket it starts snowing she looks out to the new mutants who come out to play and uh yeah we get some new mutant fun and games yes she goes through the cast of who the new mutants are um there's a weird scene where uh, Danny feels like Magma is kind of alone and stuff. So she brings out her happy memories, which is a uh, palm tree. Sort of palm tree. And she says, uh, if only you know what happened under this tree, Danny. And Danny says, okay, what? And then she says, ask Roberto. And then Danny responds, I f- think I'll kill him first, which I'm not really sure. To, does that, does that, mean that she was like making out with roberto or something (laughs) probably or maybe they did it under a palm tree well they didn't do it i would think but you know maybe danny's like oh 
<laughs> I wanted Roberto. I want to well, kill him. Yeah, I mean, they're all like the nice thing about the new mutants at this point is they all have crushes on each other. Oh, that's cute. Ileana, she's she's still kind of like they laugh so easily while I've forgotten how to cry. I want to play, but I don't know how to ask. Yeah, I'm too old for myself. The only person I really respect and like is Kitty Pride. Would this so this is a little bit different because at the end of uh, Magic One Three Four, she's like, "I love them all, all of the X Men. They're my friends and family." And here she's kind of like doom and gloomy, like I like Kitty Pride, and that's it. Everybody else sucks. Well, you know, of the of of she doesn't know the New Mutants, I suppose. Well, I mean, she also loves her brother. Well, I would hope so. <laughs> uh, the professor is creepily leering at Ileana through the window. He's uh, apparently he's attempting to penetrate the barriers she places around her thoughts. Because that's what he's been doing lately. Try as I might to penetrate the barrier she placed around her thoughts. What is she so afraid I'll find? <laughs> you, you creepy old man, shouldn't be digging through her thoughts. Yeah, he's gross. <laughs> she never told us precisely what happened to her in limbo. Could it have been so horrible? I mean, she did just age seven years in a second. <laughs> so, I mean, that's got to have some emotional scars, but... I'm going to dig through her brain. At some point, we should probably ask her about that. But, you know, I'm hoping that she'll get weak with her with her mind controls and I can just dig it out of her. <laughs> so the new mutants are playing, pushing, snowballs, all sorts of fun. And they're like, hey, Ileana, what you doing? You want to help us throw a prof- uh, party for the professor? He's been looking down in the dumps lately. I think he's missing Lalandra. Okay. Right. By the way, the cold doesn't bother me. <laughs> right. And that's when a familiar silhouette appears in the trees who says, Good eye. There's the girl. Too many people about Imre Boyd's time. He's come a long way for you, Iana. He doesn't mind waiting a little longer. And so they all go visit Stevie and they convince her to use Stevie's car to go to the grocery store and pick up all of the stuff. They bump into Doug Ramsey, who's like, anybody seen Kitty? I gots to talk to her. And they're like, no, Doug Ramsey. We'll talk to you later. I wonder what he wanted. Eh, I don't know. Who cares? Let's go. So they get in the car. They're driving. They go to the mall. They run into some people that they know. Sam Guthrie's showing off that he can carry all the bags and Rain's being kind of a bee. <laughs> Well, she he walked into her. Yeah. He's like, Sam Guthrie, if you were carrying less and not trying well, she's jealous. Uh that the the subtle thing is Sam likes Amara and Rain likes Sam. Oh. So So she's not being a bee, she's being jealous. No, she's being a bee because Sam's got like all of the grocery bags and she's carrying like a loaf of bread or something and she's like I'm not oh, I'm not gonna offer to help her anything, but I am going to well, no, he, they, every, Sam's showing off. He chose to have all this stuff. I know. He's all like, I can handle it. Look at me. Um, strong and tall. They bump into Diana and some other guy who are, uh, do we know these people from anything? They're, they're kids that have, remember how the New Mutants have hung out with some regular kids? Right. These are some of the regular kids. Okay, so they're nobody important. Although we do get this funny thing. Where are you from, Amy? Because they introduce her as Amara, and she says Rome, and they say, no fooling, I've never been to that part of New York. Womp, womp, womp. Because 
Right. Because kids from New York have never heard of Rome. Sure. Uh Based on the descriptions that the X-Men were able to give to the professor, he has deduced that it must have been the 13th century demonologist uh, Belasco. Mm. But there's very few references in his books about him. Maybe he should talk to his buddy Stephen Strange because he is the master of the mystic arts. You could also turn to Nightcrawler's foster mother, the gypsy sorceress Margali Zardos. Maybe she knows. And that's when he senses another presence, but the contact he's feeling is faint. It's a lot different than the extraterrestrial scanning waves that have so devastated him before. Uh, apparently, everybody's scanning <laughs> him these days. <laughs> if it's not one thing, it's another. And that's when Sa'im shows up and says, Good day, prof. What the devil? You got it. Name Sim. Here on business. Sim was the demon the X-Men fought in Belasco's Libo. A creature of unbelievable strength and powers. I'm no match for him physically. I'll try to immobilize him with a mind blast. Nope. Uh, and you know why the professor knows all this is because uh, Storm, as team leader, as soon as they got back from Limbo, jumped on the computer and started typing up files. Right. And then the professor reviewed him. He's like, huh, I should look into this whole sim business one of these days. <laughs> too little, too late. Well, the new mutants, uh, they, they get back and they're like, oh, the lights are all off. That's weird. I wonder if the professor's taking a nap or maybe he slept in. I guess they called him a couple times and he's not answering the phone either. And he forgot to set it up to automatically go to the, the, uh, the voicemail. It's not voicemail. It's an answering machine. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Ileana, who's kind of creepy here, she's like, He can't read my mind, Danny. I'll scout the grounds. If he's here, we can hide our supplies in the carriage. Why has she got that accent? I don't know. It's my <laughs> attempt at an Ileana voice. But it, so she she knows that she can protect her thoughts from the professor. Just, so does she also know that the professor is trying to penetrate her thoughts? <laughs> Maybe. And is she like, Ew, stop. Ew, ew. Stop it. Maybe they had a talk and the professor was like, um... I'm trying to penetrate you. I mean, your mind. I'm not trying to penetrate you or anything, um, but, you know, I can't. If if you could just for a moment lower your psychic shields, I want to do a test. Uh, no. No, not buying it, prof. So she heads in and everyone's like, Ileana's weird. <laughs> <laughs> pretty much and so Ileana she can hear all this and she's like God, really just trying to fit in well they're also scared of her yeah. like, they, they're like even the X-Men seem like they're scared of her sometimes Amara says that she's more like Celine right uh, who we'll get to know more and we've already heard a little bit about Ileana must have also been reading the files because she's like I'm a lot more like Celine than I am like any of the new mutants which I didn't really understand why she would say that but i don't know i think it makes sense evil yeah i guess she feels like she's corrupted with evil so yeah so she's walking around calling the professor professor's not answering and then she's like huh well, this is weird i it's 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 quiet a little too quiet maybe i should <laughs> get the new mutants and as That's, she so m reaches out and grabs her so m greets you dark child in the name of your sovereign lord, Belasco misses you. He sent him to bring you to him. No! 
She knows spells that would shrivel Sim to dust, but as soon as he touches her, he remembers the punishment she got when she was little, and she can't think. She can't even, she can't cast a spell. But she is able to uh, cast a light circle around the new mutants, um, and I'm, I'm I don't know if that's to save them or if it's just like, I don't know what to do, so I'm going to do this. But anyways, the new mutants are transferred into limbo. The car is not moving and everybody's outside of the car. And Stevie, Stevie is here. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, then they're like, hey, look, that looks like Ileana. But it can't be. She's too young. So we get a different angle of that same panel from magic number four or three, rather. Yeah. So I think what uh, Ileana was attempting to do was transport them inside to help her. But because she was scared, she accidentally transported them into limbo and into issue three of magic. Well, let me. I'm gonna. I'm gonna do it, Adam. And okay. I. I think we've we're we've been hinting at this throughout the the. Her power is to summon these teleport discs, but the way that she transfer she she teleports is she goes into limbo and then out wherever she wants to go. And since time works different in limbo, it can appear as if it's an instantaneous teleport. So by her teleporting the new mutants inside, they first had to go to limbo, and then they appear inside the mansion. Oh, I like that. That's cool. That, and that's how her power works. Uh, they are not spelling it out for you here. And that's why when she teleported in magic number, I think, three to the library, she first went, well, she went here. And then all of this happened, and then she went into the library. Right. And then we didn't see some of the other teleports. But as she, as the story more fleshes itself out, this what I just described will be the description of how her power works. Cool. So she's teleported. Or the New Mutants are teleported inside. They are with the car. They see Sim. They see Sim choking uh, 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 Ileana, crushing her. And, and uh, they go into action. Yep. Who the heck is that? Who cares? It's got Ileana. Sam uh, charges as cannonball. He's knocked himself out. Roberto charges as sunspot. Sim punches him away into the snow. <laughs> None of the girls can hope to match our power. If Sam and I can't beat him, the fight's as good as over. Yeah. Uh, uh, Rain, she turns into the werewolf and she's like, I gotta try. And so Sim's tail just whacks her aside. She's out. Danny says, we're a team. Blast it. Attacking Solo is suicide. Gosh darn it, haven't we learned anything from the old X-Men files? <laughs> Amara, wait for my cue. I'm going to cast Sim's greatest fear, and then when he's distracted, you nail him with some lava. The fear that she summons is Lord Belasco, who is like, you disappoint me. I can't even stand looking at you. And uh, so Sim is afraid of letting his master down. But what he's even more afraid of is is the dark child. Velasco transforms into Ileana, the red version. An older red version, yep. And she says some vague things which I didn't completely understand. Something about how being a being serving the Dark Lord or serving the Dark Child, either way is betrayal. Either betrayal will cost you most dear. I didn't fully get that, but, you know, whatever. Um, <laughs> I, Ileana, that monster dropped her. So Stevie saw all of that. I don't I don't know if it... Well, maybe Danny saw all of this, too. Or maybe the New Mutants... Yeah, I think the New Mutants only saw Belasco. And I think Stevie is the one who saw, like, Ileana in her true 
dark it child won't form. matter jeremy it won't I matter know. well it will <laughs> until we get to that point and then it won't <laughs> right uh anyway so sim's distracted amara casts her volcano which covers sim and lava uh i think we they... did it danny without the boys <laughs> I, I think it cools down or something but sim is i i think sim teleported or something because he he he's like hey i'm right behind you then we hear a scream, which makes me believe that Sim is now killing them. He, he ate her. <laughs> <laughs> Stevie has dragged uh, Ilyana, who is still unconscious, into an elevator, which then Sim starts pulling the elevator up and Stevie has to pull a uh, action maneuver, jumping out of the elevator as it's getting pulled up and rotating herself underneath the unconscious Ileana and taking the brunt of the fall. Um, her her leg is still kind of uh, junky, so she's it eventually gives out on her, and that's Sim Sim catches up and is about to uh, kill them. I suppose. But you, I mean, you you know Stevie's backstory, right? I mean, she was a professional dancer and she hurt her leg. Now she's a teacher. So this fall has aggravated that existing wound, and now she right. can't. Yeah. So she's crawling, and she's like, "Oh man, I tried." Sim's getting in here. He's getting ready to eat Stevie. And uh, that's when Ileana's like, don't make promises, braggart. You won't be around to keep them. And she nails him in the face with some magic. And Sim's like, oh, you woke up. All right, the lesson's been learned. Now come with me. But Ileana, she casts more and more magic. and Yeah, the difference here is that she wasn't able to cast magic before, but now... Now we get to see her at her magical best, and uh, she she does. Her magic is not as powerful as she hopes it would be as Sim is able to uh, kind of continue attacking her, but then she casts, full, she casts forth her soul sword, uh, which basically ends the fight. Yeah, Sim sees that, and he's like, whoa. She holds it up to his throat and says, uh, beg, or he begs mercy, and we have a little dialogue. Were you this merciful with the X-Men? He's like, yeah, it's a different time. I'm a demon. What are you going to do? And so Ileana makes a deal and says, look, you used to serve Belasco. I defeated Belasco. Uh, why don't you serve me? He's like, okay. Right then. I'll be back in limbo waiting for your orders. Also, should I kill Stevie? Because uh, she's seen too much. And she's like, no, I got this. Stevie's like, oh, God, what's going on? What are you? <laughs> sort of. And Ileana tells a story, but weaves it with a spell so that Ileana ultimate or Stevie ultimately forgets everything she um, uh, saw. And basically, the thing that everybody remembers is that uh, Ileana was able to teleport the New Mutants into the mansion, and then the New Mutants took out Sim, drove Sim right. back to Limbo. Yes, and they they decide not to clean up the house and instead just to throw the party there. The X-Men arrive home and they're like, what did I tell you? Can't leave these flaming kids alone for an instant. Wow! Says Kitty. <laughs> Why Wolverine? Am I to assume that you don't approve of our redecorating? So you've got a volcano in the middle of the room and you've got a car parked next to it. That's crazy and everybody's got punch and there's balloons and streamers hey stevie you got anything stronger in cider i could use a brew because i'm wolverine and i like brew 
Whatever happened, I'll bet it'll make one heck of a story. True enough, Rogue, and the sooner we join the party, the sooner we shall hear it. So the X-Men are just finishing each other's sentences at this point. <laughs> As they do, yeah, you know, you hang know. out with somebody long enough. So they're partying with Punch. Ileana's looking out the window, and uh, the professor's like, Hey, you did a pretty good job against Sim. Pretty proud of you. Does he know what really happened? Seeing Sim must have been hard on you. Uh, a reminder of your exile in limbo, opening up wounds. If you ever want to talk about it, you know, I'm I'm here. I could probably stop prying and penetrating your brain. <laughs> yeah, so you want to dance? So he stands up out of his wheelchair and they share a waltz. Everybody's having a great time, and Ileana says, Professor Xavier, your legs have fully recovered. You can walk. We get a shot of all the uh, X-Men and the New Mutants all agog as they're, as they're like, Oh my God, the Professor, he's dancing! No way! Sam Guthrie and Roberto are like, Yeah! yeah. <laughs> <laughs> See, child, there's hope for all of us. He knows! She thinks to herself, Meanwhile, Kitty's kind of off to the side, and she notices a figure at the window, and it's Doug Ramsey. And he's like, hey, come here, I got some news for you. And so Kitty comes outside, and Sam's like, I got a note. I got accepted full scholarship into the school, and I want you to come with me for the final interview. Isn't that exciting? Isn't that awesome? And she's like, yeah, where is it? And he's like... She's like, why Why do you want me to go? And, and he says, well, because you went there before. It's the Massachusetts Academy. Oh, Doug, no, that's run by the X-Men's deadliest enemies, the Hellfire Club. But how can I tell them? What am I going to do? For the answer, see X-Men 180 on sale in two weeks. For the consequences of that answer, be here next month to read Scaredy Cat. Meow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there you go. There you go. Three issues for the price of one. For the price of none. Ah, that's true. We do give away this stuff for free. That's uh, that's good stuff. We got a uh, we got a comment on the uh, the web page. The old web blogger. Yeah, yeah. It's from um, Ion. It's from way back, uh, X Men issue number one hundred eleven. This is the issue where uh, Mesmero took control of the X-Men. And he says, this is one of my favorite issues. I love the idea of showing the dark side of these characters, like putting them in front of a twisted mirror. Uh, and I believe I said in that issue, and I will say it again, it's also one of my favorite issues, too. It's my least favorite. <laughs> nice. I, I, I hate this issue. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's well drawn. It's classic X-Men doing classic things. Good stuff. Yeah. No, I agree. I was just kidding. Yeah, uh, yeah. Good old John Byrne. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. We got a review on uh, the iTunes page uh, by Bobby Mobetta, who uh, very much appreciates, uh, A, the X-Men, and the reflections of the real-world trials and tribulations. Uh, and he also appreciates humor from a certain two podcasters, Adam. Who, who are those? I don't know. Probably not us, though. I don't know any podcasters. Do you? Nope. It's interesting that he left this feedback on our podcast. Uh, but yes, he. It's very. It's very. Um, uh, uh, oh wait a minute! You think he means us? I'm guessing. I'm guessing. Wow. Well, thanks, man. Yes, he he praises our knowledge, uh, slim though that it is, of uh, pop culture, 
and uh, the X Men uh, and and things basically of a of a geek culture, um, and uh, finds himself agreeing with some of our uh, nit picking issues that we have with very issue with, with various issues. So, uh, yeah, and he encourages anybody reading this review to to pick up their iPod and put this in it, and then cram some earbuds in their ear holes and listen. So, thanks. It's awesome. Yes, and and we we cut the review a little bit short. So if you want to read the whole thing, it's it's a good one. Check yeah, it out. And, it, and it's it's well crafted. If you would like to join in the conversation, you can do so by visiting us at www.xmenpodcast.com, facebook.com forward slash X-Men Podcast. Follow us at Danger Room Go. You can go out onto the iTunes and you can type in Danger Room into the podcast section with the first that pop up. Click on us, leave us a review, subscribe, give us some stars, whatever your choice may be. We're available on internet streaming radio via Stitcher. You can leave us a voice message at 501-GET-X-MEN, and you can email us at dangerroom at redcatproductions.com. So many ways to communicate, so many ways to choose. Really, there's no reason that you shouldn't. Yeah. Yeah. Although I could understand you're probably sitting there like Twitter and Facebook and email. Hi, I'm overwhelmed. I don't know which one of these communication methods to use. Uh, to which I say, calm down, calm down. What? Just oh. choose one. Oh. It, it, it'll be okay. But which is it, the, it, which it is doesn't, it doesn't matter. Which is whichever, the, whichever no. one you think of first. Well, which one's better? They're, they're all the same. <laughs> they're all equally useless. Oh, uh, I've never been good at making decisions. <laughs> Won't you just make this decision for me? Just do it in Facebook. You know what? I think you can actually text uh, 501 Get X Men, and that voicemail, which is basically just Google Voice, will translate the text message and will receive that in an email form. Do that. That Boom. could be fun. Easy. People like to text. We could do a robot voice interpretation of your text message. Yeah. And. Tweet. A, People like it, to a, a Google Voice tweet. You know what? We don't. What we need to now. We need to do like Instagram, <laughs> right? Isn't that what we got to do now? Or Snapchat? Uh, if I no, <laughs> I, don't, I don't even know how we would do that. Like we we should just have like a, an Instagram like every fifteen minutes that we podcast. I have an Instagram, and one of the things on my Instagram is our podcast, but I haven't updated my Instagram in, like, years. <laughs> so maybe maybe somebody who's more savvy with this whole internet thing. I, I, I don't know if it's going to take off or not, but maybe they could help us with, with new forms of social media to attract new listeners. Yes, we're hiring for the, the low cost of free a social media expert. Director. Yeah. Yeah. You can put that on your resume. Yeah. yeah. We'll sign on. We'll write a letter of a recommendation and everything. Yeah, we that we can do. <laughs> For free. <laughs> uh, we'll email it, though. We, we won't. Yeah. So, anyways. Anything else, Adam, you want to cover? No, sir. Well, then we're going to shut this thing down. Looking forward to getting back into the comic proper for exactly one episode. What do we do after that, Adam? Uh, we derail. Oh. <laughs> Man, we're never going to get back to the main story, are we? Well, I think after that, it's a clear shot. All right. We'll we'll see. (laughs) Bear with us. You wanted completedness. We're going to give you completedness. Oh, uh, out of left field, I I, I think it was Jake Ivey, maybe, uh, sent us an email asking if we were going to cover some of the other four-part miniseries. I think there's a a, uh, 
Beauty and the Beast. There's an Iceman one. There's a Nightcrawler one. And a Nightcrawler one. Uh, the, the answer is yes. Uh, how in-depth depends on how, uh, how related to the story they are. Yeah, we just we just did two back to back, and as you saw, we did the uh, the Micronauts one in one episode because you know it really didn't matter, and uh, we did this one in two because it kind of was more important. Exactly. So, so, you know, we read them and then we make a decision. You know, if one of those four products, Beauty, I've never read Beauty and the Beast, but if it's only worth like five minutes at the end of a podcast, that's all it's going to get. But if it's a good story, it'll probably get its own episode. So hang in there. We'll, we'll be as... Uh, Adam's got like a database of everything. So it's like... It's more of a spreadsheet, but... Well, yeah. it's, it's, it's a base of data. Um, I suppose, I suppose. <laughs> so, you know, if you catch us slipping, like if you say like, the Danger Room didn't capture this and it has something to do with the X-Men. Write us in and say, you guys forgot this issue. And Adam will tell you why we forgot it. He'll say, well, it's not in continuity or something. Uh, or, I mean, maybe you will catch him slipping and he'll be like, oh, I, I didn't know about that issue. And then we'll cover it. And if you do, you'll get a prize. It's getting so... we Oh, boy, okay. <laughs> it's getting so complicated out there that I'm definitely going to forget stuff uh, or, or miss stuff. And, uh, you know, I... No, no harm, no foul. Well, if I do, it, let us know. It'll eventually get into realms of um, of like ambiguity where it's like, okay, Wolverine showed up for a panel in Spider-Man. Do you cover that? Or is it yeah, just Yeah, at like, some point we're going to be like, uh, we are no longer covering everything. Yeah. Sorry. We might mention the titles. <laughs> exactly. A couple of X-Men were in issue uh, 300 of Avengers. Um, we're not going to cover that. Yeah, they did but, nothing. You know. Moving on. <laughs> So, anyways, uh, yeah, until next time. Uh, Wait, what are the prizes, Jeremy? Uh, they'll be virtual. Okay, cool. <laughs> Imaginary. You'll use your imagination. It'll be so much fun. Uh, yeah, so until next time, my name is Jeremy. My name's Adam. And the Danger Room is closed. Last day, imagine.